Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 129 for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is a slightly grim Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, if you're looking to find out why... I have a little black rain cloud over my head. You should listen to the reindeer, uh, the, the reindeer distance. No, it's not Christmas <laughs> That's time. the Christmas you should edition, listen yeah. To, yeah, you should listen to the render distance, which is the extended version of the podcast that has wonderful jokes and flubs just like that one. Uh, and you can get to that by going to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and get to uh, any of the levels of support. You get access to this extra audio that you get every single week. We talked about Stardew Valley and we talked about my frustrations with Twitch. So uh, this week is going to be a uh, a chunk mail dispenser, as promised last week. We kind of shifted around our schedule a little bit and and dropped in some emails. But we have one heck of a snapshot to uh, to cover, nonetheless, because there have been some interesting changes coming on the uh, on the horizon for the caves and cliffs update. But before we get into all of that, uh, streaming issues aside, Joel, what have you been up to in Minecraft this week? I have had uh, an absolute blast this week. The um, final touches on the West Hill Gate that I've been working on over the last, ooh, I want to say three streams maybe, uh, finally kind of came together all in one big chunk. Uh, and I'm really happy with it. It's got some unique shapes. It's got uh, a wall that goes over a river, complete with a culvert that allows water to go through or will allow water to go through when I actually fill in the river uh, that has a gate on it. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, think about the little drain at the bottom of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings. That That's kind of what I've done with this wall. Uh, the tower has a unique top to it, like nothing I've built elsewhere in the city. Uh, the process of building things that I've never tried before and trying to maintain the same build style in terms of block palette and aesthetic, but also trying some different shapes and kind of learn a little bit more about medieval building in Minecraft has really come across and it's been a lot of fun to do that. Um, and then on Sunday, I was a little bit stumped because you ever have this problem where you finish a big project like this big gate and then you're like, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I logged in and realized, crap, it's been 12 or 18 hours since I last streamed and I have not thought about what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to stay in this side because the, 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 this part of the town that I'm calling West Hill is coming together very nicely. And so what I did was I, I logged in and I started filling in the roads that I had loosely planned out. So I just basically chatted with the Twitch chat and just ripped through some grass and placed down a lot of stone. Uh, Alistair was online, so he logged in and helped me out with some clearing and stuff. And uh, I have to say, despite the fact that I haven't textured anything, because I'm limited to the textures that I can use in slabs, because I want the roads to go gently upslope. So I'm using slabs instead of stairs. And as a result, like if you're going to texture your roads with a lot of cracked bricks, you can't use that texture when it comes to the slab sections because they don't exist. So uh, I've been, I haven't really done any of the texturing yet. I've just kind of blanket put in the stone texture and um, it's noisy. Like it's a little bit much, so it does need something eventually. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to be, but man, now that I've put in the road and now that I've thought about like how close to the road some of the houses are going to be and i'm starting to establish those rules of like you know don't build anything right next to the road because that way if you want to make the top level of a house larger it doesn't overshadow the road like there's all these little things i'm starting to take into consideration now and i'm starting to get really excited about populating it and making it feel dense like the other part of the town that we started off with and so um i'm just, I'm just having a lot of fun with this this big project and it's led to um, because it's coming together and people are 
more curious about it on the server, I I've noticed uh, more uh, of my server mates logging in and kind of like coming in to see what I've been doing. And that's always a fun feeling as someone building on a, a multiplayer server. Um, and it's also been really fun just the server experience in general, because for the long time, I was the only one making any content from the server. And it was just kind of like a fun social thing for my friends. But in the past few weeks, um, basically since the new year, my friend Steven ESC, who's on the Citadel Cafe with me, Cosmic Dancer, and Omegan Townsend are now all streaming from the server, as well as Alistair. So we've got basically more than half of the active population on the server is now streaming on a fairly regular basis. So it really feels like it's come alive. It's a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have people like invest something a little extra into a multiplayer server as well because i think streaming gives a really good excuse to be on the server regularly and be working on projects and stuff like that so you know it, it can just be an occasional visit for some people but if they've got a little bit more of their own routine invested in it then it starts to feel a little bit more alive that way which is always nice i look looking at the screenshots you've got i wonder this is something that i run into whenever i'm designing a town is that I don't like building the roads and the buildings out of the same material. And obviously it makes sense for you because you're working with a medieval theme, so they're going to be putting stones down for carts to travel on the roads and for people to walk around and not just wear dirt tracks into the ground, but you've also got stone everywhere for the buildings. Do you find that that feels like an issue for you? Or when it's all kind of in place and you're walking through the town, it doesn't feel too strange? Because I always feel a little bit strange if the walls and the floor are made of the same thing. It is starting to, yeah. Um, the the ba the pallets that I've kind of established for the, um, the towers, it ranges a little bit between andesite and stone and some polished andesite. And uh, for most of the houses and the buildings, I've got a row of cobblestone as a foundation before right. I start anything else. Mm -hmm. And that helps because I'm not, I don't want to use very much cobblestone in the actual road. I want to try to use like bricks, crackstone bricks, andesite stuff, the, the, something that's a little bit more advanced than just cobblestone. I yeah. think it's just because I find cobblestone is such a vanilla day one block that it, I don't it, want to yeah. overuse it. Yeah, it. it's like oak wood. It's one of those things that just has a, a vibe of, I am new to this game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and like, you, you don't want to necessarily tar it with that brush. It's a very useful block you can use. But yeah, I, I, I think having some sort of layer of separating blocks at least gives your eye something to go, oh, okay, this is a separate thing. It's not just the, the floor curving up into the nearest wall you know yeah and i've got um i, I don't have any screenshots a handy but I, I do have um a layer uh or a strip of like coarse dirt and a brown concrete powder and gravel in some places between the road and the where the actual building starts it all depends on just like how my houses can be jammed in because one of the fun things about this project is putting in the roads having the city walls means that I only have X amount of space to fit the next building. And sometimes it has to be on an angle. And sometimes that angle doesn't match the road exactly. So that leaves like five or six blocks in a weird little X pattern that need to be something. And if you can change that color to be something else, maybe you, if you if you want it to be more vibrant, you could use plant life, you can know, bushes, grass, flowers, all that kind of stuff. And so I've done mostly kind of like grimy dirt, gravel, um, button, buttons on the ground, that kind of thing. Um, but a lot of the walls in any of the ground level houses so far have been a combination of uh, either stone or or di like a different kind of stone uh, or um, strip logs. Mm -hmm. And I, so the, the brown kind of at the base level tends to help. I've also used a lot of bone block. 
there's been a couple of houses that are mostly spruce and bone block at the base level. So right above that cobblestone foundation, it switches to spruce planks with bone blocks on top of them, which is very different than say like what you're seeing on the on the stone level. Um, the challenge I think is going to happen when I get to um, the older sections of the town where the idea with the town, it doesn't necessarily have a lore, but I want it to look like this was built first, this was built next, and then this section has more money and was built later. And so there's going to be different materials, but the older materials are going to be like more stone, you know, more oak wood, more logs. And so that might be challenging. But then again, in the roads in those sections, maybe I end up having more coarse dirt and grass peeking through on the road, and that might help. I don't I don't really know. I haven't gotten there yet. But yeah, I, I, that's cons that's something I've been running into um, and why, you know, things from the snapshot this week have been so interesting to me because, you know, it gives me a different gray that I might be able to help separate things. Yeah, with, right? that, that was going to be basically my next question was like, are you now kind of jonesing for some of the stuff they've added in this week's snapshot to give you a bit of a, a bit of a refresh of some of the palette? And I think it is interesting that by using cobblestone and oak wood in older parts of your city, you can kind of have the, the Minecraft history imply the lore of the town at the same time you can kind of have it be like well this was built before you know spruce wood was even a thing <laughs> you know you can actually allow minecraft to do a little bit of the the world building the history work for you in that sense if you can you know bring yourself to build with the the kind of materials that we had back in you know alpha and before um mm -hmm. as far as the snapshot this week actually before we actually get into the changelog itself that's what i've been doing i i've found it a lot of fun to just explore what the new like underground of minecraft is looking like and i spent a whole stream basically trying to reach below y0 by going caving and uh had a, actually had a really really fun run at the the kind of last hour to maybe half hour of this the stream i did i ended up surviving from basically nothing inside of one of the y0 caves so no coal down there very little food and and we made it happen so i'll talk more about that once we've gotten into what the snapshot is um but that is that has dominated a fair amount of my week i have gotten back into the rtx world where i had left off basically just outside a nether fortress waiting to raid it for the next episode and i went up you know, one of the pillars just kind of spiraled up from from Lava Lake level where a strider had dropped me off and found myself staring down the barrel of a double blaze spawner. <laughs> so uh, my XP woes are now forever solved as far as uh, Bedrock Edition goes. I know there are many different XP farm designs in Bedrock Edition, but I really want to try and convert this double blaze spawner into a farm. And that's a, a pretty nice proposition. It's only about 600 blocks away in the nether and most of my time was spent bridging back and wondering how on earth I'm going to connect everything up. But uh, but that should be a little bit of fun. Nether fortresses, though, if you're in RTX and it may be a texture pack thing once again, but they are very dark to explore, like more so than they are in vanilla, which, wow. um, yeah, That's is a lot. Something. There, were, there were several moments when I found myself hit by a wither skeleton that was right next to me and I had not seen it. Like the... the, the <laughs> The stone sword glinting in the darkness basically becomes the only way you can see some of them. And putting down torches doesn't help nearly as much as it does in vanilla because the torches are reflecting off of nearby blocks. But because nether brick is so dark, it's not really providing a great deal of light bouncing back. And so the whole area doesn't really feel very well lit, even if you have torches down to, you know, 
the the amount where you would want to have to spawn proof an area so i'm wondering if i need to come back to the nether fortress with a you know a handful of glowstone or something and start using that because it's a brighter light source in rtx and it projects a little bit further alternatively now that i have access to blazes i have discovered that night vision potions are actually a really nice interaction with the rtx style lighting engine and that's Something I wanted to bring up, sort of harkening back to our discussion about how night vision kind of ruins the aesthetics of vanilla with default graphics, I think night vision potions actually work really well in the nether in RTX because it still keeps all of the, you know, rays of light being cast everywhere and all it really does is just brighten the blocks all around you at closer range. And nice. in the overworld, it still looks kind of artificial. It still looks like, well, there's no shadows basically anywhere. But in the nether, it's like having turned the gamma up, you know? It's like the kind of color correction I would do on my videos so that they work on YouTube anyway. And so I'm thinking now I might actually brew up a whole batch of night vision potions and just pop them down next to my nether portal and drink one every time I go to the nether because it's going to really help in terms of my own you know, the, the visual balance of everything for me. Much as I think the nether is great and atmospheric with, you know, the new biome fog and the lighting effects added on top of that, I think it makes a lot more sense just being able to see your surroundings a little bit better if you're trying to defend yourself against wither skeletons, which are probably some of the hardest enemies you're going to encounter in a nether fortress and you're just not going to be able to see them. It's really interesting how... Uh night vision potions have come into the conversation a couple of times now with the extension of the caves yeah. and the world height in, in the snapshots in RTX now with, you know, your experience in the nether. The last time I even thought about night vision potions was when I was clearing an ocean monument, which I think might've been in one twelve or one thirteen. Like it was a long time ago. And I used it just to kind of like be able to see a little bit better underwater with some of the fog and things. And it might've been post one thirteen, but it's like, it's one of those things where like, I just have not thought to use them for anything. Um, because I guess just in the nether in general and vanilla gameplay without shaders on, it's actually fine. Like it's not as dark as, as you know, RTX would be, Yeah. but it's interesting to see how, a visual and aesthetic change like RTX is then also encouraging different kind of game mechanics and game play. I remember you talking about how you deal with torches and caving when you first started playing in RTX as well, because the torchlight does not go very far. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm having to place torches in the center of a cave floor instead of on the walls right. just for, yeah. for like a, a broader sort of halo of light around it. But yeah, it's funny. Night vision potions sort of went out of vogue after 1.13 because of changes to visibility underwater. And before that, having a night vision potion was the meta for raiding an ocean monument, more or less. Whereas right. now we have slightly better underwater visibility and they were never really intended for that anyway. It was just a a byproduct of how the potions worked and i think people still tend to use them but it's yeah it's kind of neat to find a new application for it and after being so harsh on night visions pre night vision potions previously i think it was you know what goes around comes around a little bit uh the last thing i'm going to say for our quick login before we get into the snapshot uh news is uh this week sees the introduction of Flames of the Nether, the new Minecraft Dungeons DLC, on Wednesday, uh, so two days after this recording, and I'm probably going to be streaming that on Thursday to check it out, because it looks like a massive expansion to the game, 
and from what they've shown on Twitter so far, the little teasers and, you know, video trailers that they've been putting out on YouTube, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think even more so than I was the previous two. I think it's going to be a really interesting expansion and we'll have a decent amount for free players as well as paid DLC. So yeah, really looking forward to that one this week. I might try to jump in on that and and try to get through um, that first boss in the end of the vanilla game and then just out of curiosity do i have to do like the jungle temple and stuff first or could i go and do the nether expansion i'm pretty sure all of the dlcs are independent of each other so obviously you can buy them separately so it wouldn't really make a great deal of sense but even if you got the season pass you don't need to complete them sequentially each one is a self-contained adventure pretty much and there isn't really any story context that makes one make more sense if you played the others so cool. I, yeah, I think just jump into whatever you feel like playing. My only concern would be like if I would be underpowered, like if I was going to have my face handed to me as soon as I started playing and have it be a frustrating experience because I don't have the like that same gear and, you know, stuff that other people that would have that have been playing the other expansions. Yeah, I think that with the DLC, it all still has the same difficulty scaling system as the main mm. game does. So as long as you're comfortable knowing where your power level is at at the time, it's going to give you recommended power levels as well, but you're not going to have to go in at, you know, adventure mode on like, you know, medium to high difficulty if you're not prepared for it. You can still play the other missions on default difficulty. It's just that you have to beat the boss once to really get the end of the story. And then that kind of ties into what all of the dlc stuff is about really but right. the, the nether thing seems to have almost maybe a story of its own it's kind of unclear whether it's taking the same direction story-wise that the other dlcs have so you might actually get something completely different with that we will we cool. will see but uh for now let's get on into the news uh the news this week is that we have minecraft java edition snapshot 21w07a which mainly adds grimstone grimstone can now be found in the deepest parts of the underground below y0 basically replaces stone generation in all of those caverns underneath y0 and is slightly tougher to mine than normal stone has its own texture and like blackstone grimstone can be used to craft basic tools like furnaces brewing stands and your standard you know pickaxe hoe axe that kind of stuff uh, you can also craft the following blocks with the new stone type, uh, grimstone slabs, stairs, and walls. There is a polished grimstone, similar to polished andesite, which also has slabs, stairs, and walls. Grimstone bricks, similar to stone bricks and blackstone bricks, which have slabs, stairs, and walls. Grimstone tile, which is a very nice thing, and also has slabs, stairs, and walls. And finally, chiseled grimstone. Some other changes in 21W07A include tweaks and updates to world generation and ores, changing the visuals of some ores and stone types, reordering the redstone tab in the creative inventory, and a few tweaks to world generation. Huge caves are now more rare, and they have decreased the chances that caves are filled with water. They've changed ore generation to match the new world height and added more strategy to mining. There is a really good graphic in the Minecraft.net article that explains how some ore generation is going to ramp up depending on what elevation you are at. There are now more specific levels where you're going to find the optimal amount of iron or emeralds or copper or redstone and as you get further down into the world diamonds become more common and that kind of risk reward balance starts to come into play. 
They've also tweaked the size and positioning of diorite, andesite, and granite generation. Diorite and granite and dirt will no longer generate below Y0. So if you get into those grimstone caves, you'll only end up finding patches of andesite there. Strongholds are now mostly encased in stone, I think, to combat some bugs in previous versions where uh, stronghold would strongholds would end up floating either in water or would end up with the portal rooms kind of completely erased by cave generation and ravines. And mineshaft corridors are now supported by log pillars below, but also chains above when needed. On the visual specter, the ores without unique shapes have been giving new textures for accessibility reasons, so that each ore is distinguishable by shape alone. Being the most iconic ore, diamond ore texture is staying the same to keep its classic feel maintained. Blackstone, polished blackstone bricks, and cracked polished blackstone bricks have had some minor touch-ups. The creative inventory has had some things reordered. The redstone tab has been reordered to prioritize highly used blocks. Redstone items and blocks have been grouped in ordered in the following way. Essentials, unique activators, miscellaneous items, common activators, and openables. Fixed bugs of note in 21W07A include strongholds generate floating and without walls, floors, or ceilings when inside caves, and beacon beams only rendering in 256 blocks from the source. On Thursday, uh, February 18th, Jasper Burstra, aka Jappa, uh, the one of the artists for uh, for Minecraft tweeted a picture of the revised ore textures and also grimstone variants, which kind of came in after the snapshot, so you won't see these in the snapshot from last week, maybe this week if we get one, but uh, that confirms that the team is looking at adding grimstone ores to the biome. Uh, he also points out that he changed gold because the other one was a copy from the netherrack gold, the nether gold ore, but they're mechanically different, so he had to change overworld gold back to something a little different he's also changed iron because it looked like beetroot ore at the time and also on monday february 22nd so today just this morning actually he tweeted a couple of screenshots which include a subtle change to grimstone which lightens some of the darker areas of the texture and another update to ore blocks which are as joel said being adjusted slightly to help people who have uh, issues with colorblindness and and other things well where do you want to start with the the grimstone stuff or do you want to start with the um the ores let's start with grimstone let's just dive okay. right into grimstone as yeah as as many of us have done i have to kind of roll back because i i have a lot of notes here that feel very ranty and i'm going to do the good samaritan thing and remind everyone that these are all textures that are works in progress and um i got into the notes here and kind of went south on grimstone i'm still not 100 percent on it but i've i definitely have to kind of like recoil some of my initial blech because um i a lot of the things i said like in my head was like it needs less contrast and it needs to be less noisy japa has addressed all that inside of the five days that it's been out so it, it feels like it's going in the right direction um i um did not spend a lot of time in the snapshot because i found that i have quite a lot of performance issues so any of the notes for me um, for Grimstone are from only about 15 to 20 minutes in creative um, playing around with trying to build a wall, floor, road with Grimstone and other blocks and trying to, I was focusing to see how Grimstone would integrate with other blocks in the palette. And um, I, I find that Grimstone in general works very well within Grimstone. Mm -hmm. So Grimstone, polished Grimstone, Grimstone bricks, they all seem to jive pretty nicely together. Um, I would say probably even more so now that I've seen some of the um, 
contrast changes and 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 things that they've applied. Um, I haven't had a chance. Well, that's not in a snapshot, so I can't really play with it. But uh, that kind of stuff I've found um, looks like the problem. Like it looks like it would help with the problems that I was having with very dark borders and and when you try to mesh it in with other things like grimstone bricks and bricks like stone bricks. It was such a high contrast between the two blocks. It didn't look like they really went together very well. Yeah. And I find that one of the things that they do in Minecraft textures that helps with that is sometimes within, even if you do have that hard edge border from one texture to the other, sometimes they can get a, a shade of gray or brown or whatever that is from one block in the texture of the other. And it doesn't have to be right on the edge. Sometimes it can be, but it's just enough sometimes to kind of make them look like they work harmoniously um from an art perspective we call it color harmony where a, like if there's an orange light in your area a lot of your colors are going to have a little bit of orange in them and that helps everything feel like it's part of the same world and i find that sometimes with minecraft textures more often recently that the color temperature of these new blocks they introduce does not match stuff that they're putting it next to in the world yeah so while it's good to have things that are more unique and i guess a good example would be blackstone being more purplish than black yeah. in a lot of ways um that looks good in the nether because there's other things that are red and purple and stuff in the nether whereas if you put blackstone in the overworld it tends to contrast heavily with all of the other grays because the grays in the overworld tend to be warmer so think more reds uh or or browns in terms of um those hues rather than purple so you don't see a lot of purple in the overworld um, and I found that Grimstone um, had more of like a greeny blue tint to it, which yeah. is fine um, because you have a lot of that kind of stuff in the overworld. You know, andesite can be red is very blue. Um, I find that st stone is more warm. But um, so I was having a lot of trouble trying to get it to mesh with with other blocks. And I, w I was focusing more on the brick stuff, probably because of what I'm doing in the medieval world. Um, but. With your experience, did you find um, it was easier to work with in its raw state, like the raw grimstone versus the bricks? See, I haven't done a great deal of building with grimstone yet. My my focus when checking out these snapshots has basically been on how we encounter these materials naturally and how it affects cave generation and what we end up using it for in a survival context without really going too heavily into building, even in survival, really. Um, and so I encountered a lot of just the raw grimstone in its natural environment, you know, those those caverns now being entirely coated in the stuff with the exception of a few geodes, a few patches of andesite and the occasional ore block. And my first concern was that grimstone in natural generation kind of suffered from the same issue as large quantities of blackstone. The texture is fairly detailed, especially when you compare it next to natural stone. It's kind of a high contrast texture, and if you have it coating every surface, it starts to look a little noisy. That was my first impression of it, because I popped into somebody else's stream after I finished my own, and I didn't know the snapshot had come out until about halfway through playing a completely different game, and I raided somebody else who was playing Minecraft, and they were looking around the caves, and once again, looking around with night vision on, so there was no you know, natural light and shade applied to these caves, and I thought, wow, that's a noisy texture to have literally everywhere. And I find that actually going in there with torches, going in in a survival context, not having night vision potions, but just exploring naturally, I find that it's a lot more palatable for me, because 
it allows for there to have a feeling of depth in caves because the texture is darker, because it creates a little bit of nuance to the cavern itself without there being much block variation. If there's like a large area of it, it still feels like the texture has that kind of jaggedy rock sort of thing that's also sort of implied by the amethyst block texture that we've seen. You know, it doesn't have actual texture to it. You know, it's still a flat block, but what the texture is trying to do is add a little bit more kind of rough stone to it as opposed to natural stone basically everywhere looks like it has been eroded down by something over generations whereas grimstone feels more untouched which i think works better for that area of the world having been less explored and being more primal um i find that if you're going in there for resources, you're probably not going to care much about the texture anyway. If you're going in to build a base, you're probably going to terraform and, you know, put structures up if you want to do that kind of thing. So I think how overwhelming the texture might feel is not going to matter as much to you. So as far as natural grimstone goes, especially now it's been lightened ever so slightly and some of those darks have become a little bit less dark, I think it's going to work fairly well overall. It's going to be an adjustment in the same way that adjusting the stone texture was back at the beginning of 1.14, but I do think it's going to be something that we get used to over time, and it remains to be seen whether any of the other biomes are going to make their way down that low. So if we're going to find lush caves and dripstone caves mixing in below Y0, or if it's just going to be grimstone as far as the eye can see. We don't really know all of that much yet, so I'm wondering if... If we see Grimstone broken up by lush and dripstone caves for variety, we're going to feel a little bit better about overwhelming patches of Grimstone everywhere. I'm hoping that there might be another resource that you find next to Grimstone down in the deeper parts of the world, because I find that andesite next to it is just such a high contrast. It's very thing. bright. It's like of the stones, I feel like it's brighter than natural stone because it's got highlights in it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no, yeah. I and I use it like that. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely put like andesite slabs on the tops of my stone, plain stone walls because it looks like light hitting it. Like it looks, it gives it kind of like a shiny corner. And, and I, I think that they, they, it would even be better, I think, if stone just went down into the deeper parts instead of andesite, because it, it has a, it's a, like you said, it's a softer texture. Uh, and I find that stone and, uh, grimstone tend to be better friends than, than other, other blocks. Um, I can understand why they maybe said no to granite and diorite going next to grimstone because there's some real high contrast there like they just they they don't even have the same direction as far as the texture direction goes um i i find that sometimes too that the regular grimstone depending on context uh and this might be a, a point that i'm stealing from watching your youtube video but i feel like in the natural world when there's a lot of it it looks rough you know and it looks kind of um like broken down you know yeah whereas if you put it in a wall or you put it in a road, it starts to look a lot more like intentional cobblestone or intentional um, pressed stone, like it's been put there by hand. Yeah, you know, like and it's weird how that. I mean, in a cool way. I'm not knocking it. That's it's an excellent feature, uh, and that's a delicate balance to walk. So, like, hats off to Japa on that. Um, and while I like, I do find it tough to work in other blocks, and I think that's something that I've noticed where. Um, 
it, it takes some working and sure you can get some gradients uh, iron beagle in our live chat shared a really cool graphic about a gradient going from blackstone all the way up to or i think even maybe black concrete all the way up to like white concrete and the i guess the challenge in there lies in it's there's so many blocks in that gradient but you you can only want to use some things that have the context like you maybe don't want to put quartz in your road or if you don't want to put um let's say basalt in your road because basalt or or other blocks like blackstone while they work in the gradient they have a lot of purple in them and i don't and i find that kind of thing always throws me now maybe that's the artist in me maybe other people see more of the the hue uh, not the hue more of the tone like the black and white kind of um values in these blocks but i tend to hit the colors first a lot of the times yeah and that's that's where my frustration with grimstone comes in is that i find that while it works well within itself it it doesn't seem to go very well yet with some of the other blocks that i would use with it like other bricks um andesite blocks things like that um and now in that said like there are going to be some builds where you're going to want high contrast like you're going to want black things or dark things going right up against light things and that's going to be cool um how how do you feel about grimstone tile it's interesting it's it's the most modern looking like brick like block we have you know i i feel like it it looks like a kind of uh kitchen backsplash tile to me and it's the first block like this we've seen since i guess something like um you know red brick even and i i think it's it's almost like the type of texture i think people would want red brick to be because it has a variety of lighter and darker tiles within it which creates a fairly obvious pattern when you have a bunch of it next to each other but i can think of fairly minimal places i would want to put it i think it's the kind of texture that i would love to see more color applied to which makes no sense because when you walk into a grimstone cave or you're building with grimstone the whole impression is like black and white painting or photograph kind of situation so yeah i think grimstone tile is an interesting outlier um i'm i'm into it for now i i have yet to see if i would want to put those into a great variety of built and i certainly don't see myself using them in the same way that i would use stone brick i see them as more of an interior texture than an exterior or maybe a fun way of with some slabs and stairs maybe applying them to roofs yeah slabs and stairs on roofs i think would be really cool i i don't know uh with the direction of the of the tiles if the tiles were going vertically it would be better for roofs i guess but i, I guess it depends on how you're going to do it i mean either way the tile if it comes in stairs and slabs will be better than blackstone because again blackstone has the purple and this doesn't this has more of a neutral gray to it um like i said there is some green ish stuff in the grimstone as it is found in the world but when you start to turn it into bricks and tiles it's it loses a little bit more of that and becomes more of a solid gray um i i like the tile tone difference i like that the tile is not the same tone as the gray bricks and the grimstone i like that it's darker by quite a bit actually uh, which gives you a nice um gradient in terms of the tone between grimstone bricks and something like a black stone or a black concrete or something like it gives you some sort of thing in between which is great because that's what we need we needed more darker gray variants um the thing that i find hard about it when i was trying to work it into my my wall um was the fact that the grout in the tiles doesn't line up with 
anything else. Right. Bricks, yeah. Yeah. Quartz. No, like it just, it's really difficult to line it up with other things. So I did a little experiment and it's, it's really rough. I've got an image in our chat. I'll try to include it in the webpage show notes as well, where I just took the existing tile texture and shifted it up by about four pixels. And uh, there's still some, I don't know how this would work if it was tiled in a large piece. It probably doesn't work at all, but I did it on purpose to line it up next to a stone brick. And what it does, it takes that middle grout line in the stone tile and lines it up with the middle grout line in the grimstone bricks. Sorry, I said stone tile. I meant grimstone tile. Um, and so that, just that, even though it's a much darker texture, it starts to feel like it meshes so much better with other things. And I'm, I'm wondering if that will eventually be a consideration. Uh, but again, I don't know what sacrifices that makes. Like, does that then mean if you want to have a wall of, of, of grimstone tile that it becomes, it looks like a checkerboard, you know, like if you, if you don't do it right. Yeah. I, I think the, the line they have to walk, which again, yeah, hats off to the, the art team for doing everything they do because this can't be easy is, creating textures which connect together and work in isolation and the idea of there being blend between some blocks but also allowing for contrast between blocks at other times and 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 which of those you favor is kind of an interesting balance because obviously i mean looking back at natural grimstone and natural stone next to each other it's a very obvious border between the two of them but then I think having an edge around natural grimstone that made it look closer like it was blending in with the, the natural stone around it would then not be a great effect for grimstone throughout the rest of the cavern. And in the same way, I think the grimstone tile texture suffers from like the, the way the tiles don't necessarily connect to each other when placed when the blocks, block is placed kind of contiguously, the borders around right. the outside kind of line up. When you place stone bricks down, it looks like a diagonally alternating pattern of bricks, right? Because the texture yep. sort of wraps around from one side of the block onto the next side of the block, uh, which doesn't happen at all, I think, with the Grimstone tiles. Like, one side or the other has a border, and it's not like there's a few pixels of one tile are applied to the opposite side of the block in order for it to make it look like it's contiguous. If anything, I think maybe the bottom row, the two pixels of the bottom row of, Gr of Grimstone tiles does that. And yeah, th there's, there's a few different approaches you can take there and whether you want to make that a priority for that kind of block, you know, that that's entirely the discretion of the art team, I suppose. But I think it's one of the things that steers me away from using some blocks like that is that when they connect, it is still fairly obvious where the borders between blocks are. And yeah. a lot of the time, that's what I spend my time as a builder trying to hide. <laughs> so I, I do I do kind of wonder how we're going to get around occasional things like that. Or if we're just once we've got access to it and once we're kind of integrating them into builds, finding their niche, um, I think maybe we'll... We'll, we'll overlook stuff like that. It's something that natural grimstone, I think, does pretty well, is tile together in a way that wraps the texture from one block to the next, and you can't really tell where one block ends and another begins unless there is, you know, a change in elevation or, a, you know, a couple of blocks sticking out. Um, I think grimstone brick is a a great addition. It's, it's a very nice texture to have in between blackstone and stone brick, 
in the snapshot itself, it is still fairly high contrast. That's obviously been toned down a little bit. And I do wonder how many people are going to use the stone bricks as a gradient now. It's, it's important to note that stone brick, the natural stone brick, still has mossy and cracked variants, which grimstone doesn't, but blackstone has the cracked variant. <laughs> and so there's still a lot of stone bricks to keep straight in your head. But I don't know, how often do you see yourself using Grimstone Brick? Do you, do you think you would end up working that into a design that has Stone Brick in it? Or would you probably end up just building structures out of purely Grimstone? I see more this the latter. I see more of me going for uh, Grimstone structures that might have other highlights and stuff on them, using stone for borders or you know, stripes or, you know, um, buttresses or funny things that might stick out. Um, overall, I, I, the other thing too, I have to remember is that I often build like player scale. Yeah. Uh, and so in order for grimstone brick and stone brick to work well together, I think you need a really large structure, like mm -hmm. a large wall, I think would lend you more room to do the dappling effect of like kind of like peppering in one kind of bleeding into the other and it would help you i think along the way um especially if you could then break that up by like draping vines over it or putting in some foliage putting a tree in the way like there could be some things that you could do um nicely uh i i feel like the cracked stone brick uh i tried to build a road out of grimstone and i wanted to put in some lighter blocks um basalt does work it's a little purple but if you back up a little bit it's not so bad yeah um the challenge with basalt of course is that it has a directional texture so you have to kind of place it in the right way and it might look funny depending on whether your road is going north south or east west so it may or may not work depending on the context mm -hmm. um i did enjoy the um polished stone uh, polished grimstone but cracked stone bricked seemed to be an okay highlight um I tried using tough. Now I know that you said that you liked the way that it blended with tough, but I, I found it difficult. I didn't find that it worked that well, but again, I only, I like, I placed six blocks and kind of went, mm, yeah. not sure if I like it. I, I didn't spend time, time, time with it. You know? Yeah. I think that is the difference again with, uh, the, how are you going to use this for building versus natural generation? Because I find that encountering geodes inside of dripstone caves, where there's a large area of both, sets of material i think they looked like a good natural formation together mm -hmm. if you put two or three blocks of them side by side it is again very obvious that there's a border and the two textures are quite different they have we talked about tough being a more diagonal kind of texture it, it sort of angles at a different uh, a different way and uh the grimstone people have pointed out that it almost seems manufactured because it has very straight lines going through it uh, which I think may even be sort of along the same lines as the the Grimstone tile, give or take. But yeah, I find that the two of them don't go super well together in, say, like a, a checkerboard pattern or where you're trying to introduce texture to a road. But if you have a large area of Grimstone next to a large area of tuff, like you're going to find naturally in the caves, it's I think it's a little bit better. So if you were building a wall and you had you know, large sections of wall that were one type of material and then maybe alternate into the other type of material here and there. I think that could maybe introduce like a, a highlight and shadow if you used both of them, but in larger areas as opposed to uh, the, the kind of checkerboard style floor. Mm. 
And I think too, for, for context builds, like uh, I never did go back to finish my uh, netherite hall build, that long Blackstone corridor that I was trying to force myself to get through to fall in love with Blackstone, not fall in love with it, but like get better at using it and try to appreciate the texture more. And ultimately I still just found it noisy and it worked okay because in that tunnel, I was building it long enough that the render distance made it look like it was an endless tunnel when you're in the middle. It just kind of faded into the blackness of the nether. And I think for people like me that struggle with Blackstone and how to use it, uh, if you start to use Grimstone in the nether where it's very dark or in your dark caves in terms of building with bricks and stuff like that, you might find that these transitions between stone and Grimstone to be easier when that stone is in shadow, thus making it darker and maybe yeah. easier to then transition visually you know everything looks very harsh when you're on the surface in a creative world in broad sunlight you know putting or, everything or down if, together or right? if you have a night vision potion yes <laughs> yes mm, yeah no for sure for sure so like i i i flip-flop like there's definitely uses where i think oh this looks good and there's other cases where i go well but when i put it up against this other stuff it really does seem like it's a very high contrast thing and so um i like i hate to use the term pop um, because as a graphic designer, it's often something that makes you roll your eyes, but it, it it's something that you don't really want to necessarily have in some of these more natural looking Minecraft textures. Like you want red concrete to pop. You don't want, you know, your stone textures to actually like pop out and feel like they're closer to you or brighter than necessarily the things that are surrounding them because, you know, they're, they're materials that are made out of the earth and, and they're bent to be a little bit more subtle, I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see the the talented builders that we know in the community and see what they come up with you know in terms of their practice and block palettes and different things um one note i did i did want to mention that i thought was kind of fun and useful as an experiment is that i use the grimstone tile under the edge of an overhang because when i look at it naturally the grimstone tile looks like it's recessed into the wall like if mm -hmm. you put grimstone tile next to grimstone it looks deeper and i thought well what if i actually use that and pushed it underneath uh, an overhang and it does help like if you're not running shaders it, it does look like there's more of a shadow there which right. i think is cool yeah you know it, it it does help in that way so there are some things where you know my surface level judgment is like nah, that's a little bit dark maybe it doesn't jive that well but then it's like well if i use it as a dark block like as a shadow block it might actually be good but it's such a nice looking like overall the concept like you said it's a modern looking block it's got like that backsplash kitchen sort of thing modern bathroom like you could do some really cool stuff with it but like if it's relegated to only being a shadow block well then that makes it harder to use in modern you know builds that you want them to be brighter you know brightly lit yeah yeah so interesting times and once again a little bit of an adjustment to these textures is potentially going to show up in the next snapshot we get so we we can maybe revisit uh, most of these blocks a little bit later when we've had more time to play with them. Also, uh, we haven't touched on chiseled grimstone yet. Uh, to me, it looks like an upside-down shulker box. Uh, mm, I've, yep. I've had it compared to a, a puffer fish and a few other things, and I think maybe this one is supposed to evoke the warden because I think the other chiseled blocks, with the exception of chiseled stone, uh, tend to be images of mobs right so you have the mm -hmm. uh the the creeper in sandstone you have the wither in red sandstone and the two nether brick textures how or like the 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 blackstone texture has a piglin snout on it and i think the nether brick one has the the skull so we have a few of those you know in the past that we've seen mob designs on we don't know much about the warden yet because it's not introduced yet so 
it remains to be seen whether that is the warden's face or or something else but it's uh again going to be one of those accent blocks that might be a little difficult to work with but i think a few builders will find good places for them um we should probably move on from Grimstone to talk about other stuff in this snapshot because there are new ore textures as well as all of the new textures we're dealing with with uh, Grimstone. How do you feel about these? Because they are quite a departure from the ore texture we are used to. I didn't mind them at first in the snapshot. Um, since then, Jappa has obviously revisited them and posted some things on Twitter. Uh, we'll have links in the in the show notes to those. Um at first, my my gut reaction was I like the changes. I like that they look like they're recessed into the blocks. Like they've got highlights on the natural material around the ore, and it makes it look like the ore is like you're seeing into the rock to see the ore, which is very cool. Coal looks good. I thought um, the the little green flex, the oxidized flex that they had in copper looked good too. Uh, they've since changed iron. I liked iron in the snapshot more than i do in what's currently being circulated on twitter you, you preferred the um, uh, the beetroot ore design as they called it yeah i and once he mentioned it i totally saw it and i can understand why they wanted to move away from it um but but i i find this looks too much like quartz in the nether and i'm wondering if again for the accessibility reasons that they're changing these they might realize if you put this next to quartz not that you're going to do it or see it naturally occurring in the world, but I'm wondering if that if that doesn't read a little bit too much uh, in the same sort of pattern. Because um, the, the idea was that they wanted to get um, geometric, um, unique patterns to each of these ores. Yeah. I really like the coal. Really like the coal. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, and uh, I like the pattern of the gold. I find the gold has a lot of really dark brown and orange in it, which might be realistic, but also looks really dark to me. And I feel like they might, if as a cartoonist, I would go a little bit more cartoony as opposed to like what the ore might really look like in the real world as far as the colors. Yeah. Um, I, I'm okay with my gold gear and gold ingots having a deeper color than the ore of gold in the ground because I think it just makes it look a little bit brighter um, in that way. Um, and I was disappointed that they didn't give diamond the same treatment. I'm okay that they can, that they can leave diamond in the exact same geometric pattern that it's at, but I kind of wish they would do one of two things, either recess it just like they did with these other ores because it looks so cool or do the opposite and have the diamond ore look like it's sticking out of the block, you know, like it's protruding as opposed to recessed. Right. Uh, but the fact that they didn't do yeah. it anything at all, it's just like, but you, all it takes is a couple of highlight pixels somewhere to kind of either push it or pull it. And I just feel like you could leave it close to where it is. But for me, unfortunately, and you might have an opinion about your favorite block, the, the emerald ore block, um, I find it just with the new ores next to it, it looks dated. It doesn't look classic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It just looks old, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like Emerald Ore sort of stands on its own from the diamond because the Emerald Ore looks like there are a ton of chunks of Emerald that might break down into the gems we get. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of give Emerald Ore a free pass. We know I'm biased. I don't know why I have this fixation <laughs> with Emerald Ore, but I really do. Um, and as for the the Diamond Ore, I, I can absolutely see their reasons for keeping it because there are a lot of players who feel very strongly about the legacy of the game and keeping a lot of stuff the same. It's the reason when a lot of mobs got their textures tweaked, they didn't change the Creeper. Um, and I think the Creeper fits in perfectly well with the current game. I do agree that Diamond looks a little dated, but I think just for recognition at this point, after 11 years of this game, I think I can see the reason behind keeping Diamond Ore in the same 
configuration and, and not adjusting the texture too much. Having said that, Jappa's latest Twitter thread has some of the Grimstone ores with the current textures, and he, I think he is said he is still planning on revising iron a little bit, wants to keep it streaky, but maybe make it a little different. And I think there's there's some interesting stuff going on with the Grimstone versions of the ores because suddenly you notice the highlights in the texture a lot more when against a lighter background like the grey of natural stone, you don't see them. So I think diamond sticks out way more against Grimstone simply because of that highlight. The same with Lapis, because you're working with two different blues and the blue highlights tend to really pop out as closer to white. And this reminds mm. me a little bit of when you were working on some some Twitch emotes on your stream and you were talking about having to have stuff stand out against the dark mode versus light mode on Twitch. And I get right. the same the same vibe from this, is having to very carefully mold it so that the texture and colors that are used and, and the the tones of it, the sort of, you know, light versus dark of all of it is the same, but then reads against both materials as the same block. And and that's a, a an even bigger challenge, like a tougher line to walk. There is a little bit of change to the copper texture as well that has more exposed copper, so it has more exposed oxidation as well. And I think that is also something that works better for people who are you know the, the the differences in different color blindness because there are various different uh color blindness variants out there for want of a better term like the, different people can see different colors differently and i guess the green of the kind of the verdigris patina that forms on copper is going to be is going to read better for some forms of color blindness versus others that will be able to see the the more orangey texture and the green is going to blend in more so I think that's a, a neat compromise and what ends up looking like quite an attractive block to me. I quite like that. The The only one that really stood out to me at first, and this latest image seems to have corrected a few of my problems that I had with it, was Redstone. Uh, Redstone didn't fill out the block as well as I thought it could have. There was a lot of headroom in the texture. The first sort of four pixels or so of stone were just blank stone. And I think now that's been adjusted so the top part of it is a little more rounded and it's more sort of blobs of redstone rather than kind of streaks of it. And that works a little better for me now. It was It's using the space a little bit more, you know, sort of distributed more evenly, I feel like. But I think it is going to be a bit of an adjustment for those of us who are, you know, ha have have standard vision, uh, are, go are going to be, um, you know, struggling to pick out these textures a little bit and, and, and sort of ad adapt to what we've been used to otherwise. I think as a, a justification, accessibility of these and being able to pick out the ore just from visuals alone, uh, just, just from the shape of it, uh, makes total sense. Like, I'm 100% mm -hmm. on board with them doing it for that reason. And I've noticed touches like that in a lot of the the other games I play and even board games and stuff, they'll use a lot of symbols as well as colors to denote differences in things because that makes it easier for people who are colorblind to be able to determine what is what. So 100% yeah. on board with the reason for it and interested to see where it goes. I'm not personally heartbroken or particularly sentimental about any of these changing. I just want something that we can all agree upon at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that they are changing from all being the exact same pattern and just being different colors. Like that, that 
also, again, that change helps it feel more modern in terms of the game design. Um, I like the changes to Redstone. I saw the same problem that you did. It felt very central. Yeah. Um, and I like the way it looks. I'm looking at them now, actually, looking at, at Jappa's latest tweet, and I they've got more highlights in the Redstone minerals in the Grimstone version than they do in the Stone version, mm-hmm. which is good because, again, I think it helps the red and the gray be different from a tone perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I'm seeing also what you mentioned about the diamonds standing out more on the Grimstone. Um, as they do more geometric, unique patterns with these minerals, my only concern, and I'll cite um, the new iron and uh, the new lapis uh, as, as a, an example of this, maybe a little bit with the copper, I find that they cover too much of the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that coal, diamond, redstone now has a nice balance between the block that it's in and seeing the ore, whereas I find lapis just looks like, I just I don't even know what I'm looking at. It looks like it's mostly lapis underneath a little bit of stone, which could be the intention. And if so, then that you achieved, you know, that, that intention. Um, I'm just wondering if they start to look a little bit too boxy, which is, I know, a very weird comment to have about Minecraft. But, <laughs> you know, like, I, I wonder if the coverage is a little bit too much in some of those. Um, but again, there are probably going to be some iterations between now and when, when they're released. But again, great, great effort and, and fun changes. And I, it just, it's going to be like we mentioned last week, there's a lot changing in this update. Lapis ore, I believe is still the same though. Uh, I, is it? I, I think that is, yeah. I, I just went to the Minecraft wiki to check the texture and I'm pretty sure, pretty certain that is the texture we've had all along. It was one of the ones that wasn't changing because it already had a unique pattern to it. So hmm. it may just be the fact that we're looking at the Grimstone version of it as well. It's funny when you see them all piled next to each other, which is you don't see this in the yeah. world. Like mm. the, the example that Jappa is showing you is not how you find this stuff. Um, boy, would you be excited if it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if there's a, it looks like there might be a highlight on it. I could be completely wrong. It could just be the the, the image. It's, it's hard to tell um, without having like being able to be in the world and kind of like fly around and look at them from different angles. Yeah, I, I think may, it has maybe been, this, it's, it's a... been tweaked for visibility in Grimstone, so it's probably had a couple of minor adjustments. But like the the pattern of uh, where the, the blue veins appear in the block is, is more or less the same. I think it works for Lapis though, because Lapis gives you so much if you fortune it. You always get like 32 Lapis or something from a block. So I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it clustering together in the texture works for the volume of lapis you're likely to receive. Um, briefly, before we move on, because I know we need to get to emails, um, ore distribution is something we should touch on as well. And I mm-hmm. I think that's very interesting. I, I like the fact, again, going back to emerald ore, if the emerald ore is as plentiful in mountains as the graphics suggests, because it basically escalates higher and higher as you get up into the, the higher levels of the world. So emerald is going to be much more frequent towards the peaks of mountains. I'm probably never going to leave the mountains if that's the case because it looks like I'm just going to find tons of it everywhere. Um, but then there are going to be areas where you can find coal more consistently, areas where coal is less common and below Y0 you won't find any of it at all. Same with iron and copper, but then below Y0 you start to see ramps of redstone and diamond becoming a lot more common you'll find a gap in iron between surface level and some of the mountains. So once you get above, I think like 128 or above 100, you'll start to find that iron becomes common again. And yeah, there's some really interesting changes here compared to the, the other graphic they have on this is 
Minecraft 1.16 generation, which is just straight up bars of material. Like, everything is just as common regardless of which height you are in the world. And so I think having it be changeable like that, having it be distributed differently in different layers is a really interesting concept and one that if they are looking to, as they say, add more strategy to mining, it's definitely a great first step. I 100% agree. I think it looks really fun. I, I like the, uh, it looks, it reminds me probably as a podcaster, it reminds me of like waveforms, like mm -hmm. wave, wave uh, when you're editing sound files. Um, I, I kind of feel like without experiencing it, because I don't know how much mountain you're going to have to dig through in order to see the extra emeralds at the higher part, parts of the world. But it just, that feels like a lot. Because you think about what emeralds are used for in terms of trading with villagers and how little you see redstone, diamond, gold, even iron. Uh, emerald, when you're up at the top of the world, is like the most plentiful or ever. You know, like, it's, yeah. it's, so it feels, I would expect coal to do that, but maybe not emerald. So I'm wondering if that's going to get, obviously they say it's not final, so that might get balanced yeah, out they, a little bit. But. They haven't introduced the new mountain generation yet. And so yeah. terrain doesn't typically generate around that level at the moment, unless you're in an amplified world. So I am curious to see how that changes as new mountain generation takes effect. But uh, again, this is not final, as it says very clearly in the diagrams. So we'll we'll start <laughs> yeah. to see a couple of tweaks to this. I've seen a few people not sure like how going caving and the kind of risk reward of getting diamonds is going to balance. But we also don't have the warden in this snapshot yet either. So diamonds being more common right now and being easier to get hold of is going to be a very subjective thing once more combat challenges are introduced and once the caves get a little bit more dangerous but watch mm -hmm. this space we'll see more of that hopefully in the next week or so moving on into the chunk mail dispenser if you'd like to email the show the email address is spunchunkmail at gmail.com our first email comes from zephorius Hi, gents. I've been listening to the show for a few weeks now and love all your guys' input and suggestions for update mechanics and the like, and I thought I'd throw something your way. Recently, my buddies and I took a few weeks off of Minecraft and got into another mining game, Deep Rock Galactic, which is a great game in its own right. An integral part of the gameplay loop is throwing flares into tunnels, and flares that last for a bit until they fizzle out. Inspired by this, the 30 and the 30 radius megatorch that Joel suggested, what if there were, you could make a 30 radius torch arrow that expires after an in-game day in Minecraft? The crafting recipe could essentially be the same as an arrow recipe, but with a torch swapped in for the flint. Uh, the extra stick is used could be justification for the increased output of the torch arrow. It would wouldn't necessarily have to stick to the wall like an arrow would, but would snap to the wall like a traditional torch uh, when contact is made. I'm not sure if this would despawn over time or simply have a reignition capability activated by flint and steel, but I think it would be uh, reignition where possible. It should only illuminate at the strength of a regular torch and once reignited would of course be a reignited permanently. Flint and steel could actually just convert the torch arrow into a regular torch. So that's my idea to solve cave darkness problems. I'd love to hear what you think. Keep up the great content and stay chunky. Zephorius. I like the idea of the burnout torch and like an arrow plus torch and a string maybe would be kind of cool. Like as if you're tying a torch to an arrow. Um, I like the fact that it could burn bright for a Minecraft day and then just fizzle but maybe fizzles into a regular torch. So mm -hmm. that led me down the thought process of like, what if it was like 
if there was a way to bundle torches, you know, maybe like a four by four grid of torches in your crafting recipe, or maybe you have to sacrifice an actual bundle along with string and some torches to make like a big fat torch. No projectile, it's just a torch, you put it down and it will burn bright for a specific amount of time and then it just regresses to a regular torch. Mm -hmm. So really not a big change permanently to the lighting in Minecraft, but just something that just stays hot for a while and then goes back to normal. And if it's a different block model, think just fat torch, that could be fun for builders to use too, especially if you only have to deal with this mega light output for a certain amount of time and then it just goes back down to the regular light that we're all used to. That would give another lighting option on top of like lanterns and torches. You would have like a fat torch. Depending on the design of it, maybe it could be something that could seesaw between medieval builds, modern builds. Maybe it could look like a lamp or like, I'm not sure what we could do to have it go that route. But I, I thought that it was a really interesting idea to like take things in Minecraft like strings and torches and just kind of give them rather than the the limited amount of burnout and then it completely disappears to then have it regress into an existing torch I thought was a nice concept. Yeah, I still wonder what the difficulty is in increasing the maximum output of a light source. I sort of wonder if it is just how convenient it is to have it stored as a 4-bit integer where you can have a maximum of 16 values ranging from 0 to 15. I assume so. And I know that lighting updates are still something that kind of uh, is a source of lag in worlds. So I, I sort of wonder having a light source that changes with that sort of regularity might potentially cause some some technical issues. But we've also just seen them add 128 blocks to the height of the world, so I feel like I feel like saying cry, crying technical limitations may or may not be the the right approach here. Um, I do think the key, if you implement something that you can light from a distance, is to make the light source temporary. So I agree with the fizzling out idea, um, and I feel like there is also like as a one of the sort of unwritten rules, or maybe written, if if it's in Jeb's magic book of, like, these are the design conventions of Minecraft, remotely placing blocks is still something that Mojang doesn't want to touch. Um, right. Because the player's block placement radius is an integral part of the challenge. The, re the reason you can only mine up to five blocks in front of you, for example, and there isn't an enchantment that lets you mine further, like a reach enchantment or something like that, Dr drastically alters the game when used a certain way and you know dispensers can't place solid blocks except maybe in the case of you know if you're generating cobblestone from lava and water but then that's still something the player has to more actively be involved with so yeah i'm i'm interested in what the justifications are for some of the more technical side of things here that would prevent something like this from really being added to the game i understand they also don't want to make it super easy to light up caves and this is the kind of thing that you could very easily spam everywhere, clear a cave in the time that it took for the torch to fizzle yeah. out. I mean, an in-game day seems like quite a long timer to me. I would expect it to be like, we said previously, the duration that an arrow exists in the world, which is like a minute. Minutes, um, yeah. And, and then it'd just be a case of turning around and shooting the same places in the same order. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of placing this more than I do shooting it. Like, I, I like the idea of still having to physically be within the five blocks of where you are, because that puts you in danger's way when you're doing the dark cave yeah. exploration. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely in favor of having a larger radius light source at some point. I just don't know mm -hmm. where that 
kind of factors in with game balance and technical side of things. I also want to add that um, lighting with a bucket of lava is a really good option if you want a floor to ceiling uh, or, a, or a ceiling to floor, I suppose, light source. Entering one of these grimstone caves where typically they're generating below you and it's like a large drop down because if you want to light an entire wall, you just got to place a light source up near the ceiling next to the wall and then it just falls. But then, of course, you have to deal with the fact that lava is dangerous. So mm. I do wonder if players are going to use that kind of thing more when lighting some of these larger caverns and there is a certain amount of risk involved in that. But lava is a level 15 light source for as far as it flows, which if you're taking vertical height into account is pretty powerful. So, right. yeah, I, I do sort of wonder, now that we're seeing fewer lava lakes underground and hopefully they'll get reintroduced more at some point, I wonder if we'll start seeing players lighting some of these more underground builds less safely, but with a light source that can cover a much greater distance. And then, of course, lava will flow for an additional four blocks, meaning you have effectively a radius that's you know, covers 15 uh, light level up to four blocks out from where it starts to flow. And then you just don't need to... You, you want to not step in that is the, yeah, is the, that's, the main problem. That's or, the tricky part. Or build with wood if you have fire spread on. Well, that's the thing that I was thinking about. Like I was looking at, at that kind of idea and I thought, wait a minute, the nether does this all the time. There's lava flows that come straight down from the ceiling of the nether. It looks amazing mm. and it helps you see where you're going, deadly as it is. Uh, but then I thought, oh man, but in the overworld, in default gameplay, like fire spread is on. And I mean, as cool as it would be to have lava flows naturally coming down from the ceilings of some of these big caves for one light two dangerous obstacle. Um, it would also then if happened to be in a lush, lush cave, light the whole job on fire, <laughs> which would not be ideal. It might do. Yeah. It might do a little bit of that, but yeah, again, looking forward to seeing how lush caves interact with some of that stuff. Before we move on, I want to give a shout out to Hero Blaze 2 and Flopsy, who uh, wrote in with other lighting ideas. Uh, Hero Blaze 2 had a glow dust thought, and Flopsy had the idea of aggravating the glow lichen like redstone. So if you shot an arrow at the lichen, it would then brighten up for a brief bit right uh -huh. allowing you to see and then it would stop very similar to like when you step on redstone it brightens up for a little bit like it activates yes yeah yeah seems like a, a mechanic that could be used more i think um mm -hmm. so so interesting i like that one um next up we have an email from mark for live a landscape artist member of our discord thank you so much for writing in says uh dear joel and johnny in episode 128 i heard you guys talk about lighting up caves without the use of torch spam and that got me thinking what if there would be a hard hat with a searchlight that could be used sort of like the zoom feature of the spyglass except that it would not zoom as much but would show the world a bit brighter when using it Another feature this hard hat may have is that it would protect you from falling stalactites, and that could be a reason to implement another enchantment called Toughness. This enchantment could only be applied on the hard hat, and I see it coming in several levels. The higher level, the more protection it would give you. In my opinion, this hat should not be craftable. The only way to obtain it would be through loot chests inside of somewhere like abandoned mineshafts. That way you'd have a reason to explore mineshafts, and it fits with the whole miner's feeling that the hat gives you. Love to hear what you guys think of it. Mining on through Grimstone mark for live see i misread this email when i was making notes and i thought the headlamp was going to be more of the the dynamic lighting the block light versus aesthetic light but what mark is suggesting here seems a little bit more like uh yeah the spyglass with an extra night vision aspect added to it so you're zooming in ever so slightly but you also just get like a, a slightly 
brighter picture of the world around you without there being block light. It's more of a rendered light for the client than it is for the the actual world. Um, and that's an interesting interesting way of implementing it. I have now started to think about how the game could introduce night vision but without removing all light entirely and i think having a headlamp could be an interesting way of doing that what do you think joel yeah i like the idea of a headlamp i i mean it fits with minecraft i mean it fits with you know the different stuff we have it's it's like we've got wings and yet we don't have all the mining equipment you know uh that could be that could be really really useful uh i i like the idea that uh, from aesthetic light being rendered from your hand from a torch in say optifine uh, that feels like too easily of a solution because you, the player is not required to do anything extra you just have to hold the torch yeah whereas with this it, you know you either have to find it uh, like they said in a in a in a uh, abandoned mine shaft loot chest or if you had a recipe to then craft it you know like a copper or whether you needed you know uh, a flint and steel or something uh, as I, I know that technically having something like a, a flashlight on your head feels very modern, um, but there would be very cool ways, I think, to do it. Uh, flashback to one of my favorite memes from World of Warcraft with the Cobalts who will refuse to give you their candle, which is how they mine. <laughs> uh -huh. They have a candle on the top of their head. Uh, and there are candles in Minecraft. Uh, we have new ores like copper. Uh, there are things that you could do to make a candle hat. <laughs> <laughs> or something very similar, which could be fun. Uh, and again, maybe only lasts so long, or if it does last a long time, then I like the idea that it does not affect block light. So you're going to be able to see a little bit better when you're in the dark places of the world, but you are still going to have to deal with the um, amount of mobs that will be spawning in the dark block light. And I think I think that's a nice balance to suggest. Quick reminder that the uh, Minecraft Dungeons Spelunker armor has a candle set into what looks like a kind of leather headband and mm -hmm. that doesn't really do much in the case of minecraft dungeons but it's a fun aesthetic thing and does illuminate in inside of structures so it's it's kind of a neat take a very minecrafty feeling take on the headlamp and i wonder if yeah you could create a uh, a headlamp crafting recipe that could be the spyglass five copper ingots in the shape of a helmet and a candle or a torch or you know something like that so it could have quite a fun crafting recipe that uses some more of the the newer uh, implementations in in 117 already. Uh, personally, going to the second part of this email, I'm 100% on board with the hard hat idea, protecting you from falling stalactites. Could be a really interesting benefit to unique armor. Even even if you added something like that to say the turtle helmet, it'd give you a, a reason to wear the turtle helmet beyond just having a little extra water breathing. On that note, I've actually thought about maybe favoring the turtle helmet to bring down into caves if you're trying to swim from cave to cave through those aquifers because sometimes they will come out in different regions of a deeper cave and i think having 10 seconds of water breathing in that instance is going to be a lot more useful than bringing one water breathing potion that's going to last you for way longer than you actually need it so i'm wondering if we'll see a, a resurgence in the turtle helmet in this uh upcoming update as well it's nice too that that those things happen because we saw a resurgence in gold helmets uh in the nether update because that was seems to be the lowest sacrifice you would make with your uh armor gear because you still want really good boots because of the drops in the nether and stuff and so people started using gold helmets as like the if i wear this in the nether 
uh, I will um, not um, draw the attention of piglins, but then uh, I just end up wearing a gold helmet all the time now. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't bother to take it off if I, as I travel through the nether. And so I'm wondering if for people that don't go to the nether, if you start to see, like you said, either if there's, there's a new enchantment or a new kind of helmet, or if you find that if they're doing a lot of spelunking, if they go for it, well, no, what I really want to do is wear a turtle helmet all the time. And I'm wondering if just people are going to start looking like hobos with all the different <laughs> kinds of armors that they're going to have to wear. I, I think the the community joke right now is that the ideal armor set is a gold helmet, elytra, netherite leggings, and leather boots because of walking on powder snow. Uh, so there's, there's going to be a very eclectic armor meta going into 117, I think. Um, the only flip side to this suggestion about protecting you from stalactites is how infrequently they're likely to fall on you if you're playing single player. Like, I can understand if you're in multiplayer and you have some careless or particularly vindictive server mates if you're, um, <laughs> you're going to find that stalactites fall on you more frequently, but I think there isn't going to be much that's going to trigger that in single player. I don't think arrows can break them. I think it was just tridents. At the last count, so unless you're battling the drowned in a cave and one of them happens to have a trident, you're not going to find them falling on you naturally. Maybe a couple of creeper explosions or something, perhaps. But yeah, I, I feel like there is limited use case for the hard hat enchantment. Much as I like the idea, I feel like mm -hmm. it is p potentially a very specific source of damage to protect from. Speaking of being deep in the world, uh, Jacka Eggs writes in with the subject of double biomes. Hey, Johnny and Joel, I was thinking about the new snapshot and how the lush caves, dripstone caves, and the deep dark will be implemented in these caves. What if one of the F3 menu options under the biome section, it says, for example, desert slash lush cave. This could go for any combination of biome and would only say the underground biome if you have not yet explored the surface. They could also change the uh, chance of a cave biome under a normal biome. Like, for example, a lush cave could only have uh, a chance of generating in a mushroom island or in a jungle biome and less so in a desert. I would love to hear your thoughts. Jacka eggs. So I like the idea of specific caves generating more commonly under specific biomes. And I don't know how that stuff is being implemented if they are simply randomizing cave layouts for now. Uh, again, we don't have biome implementations with the new cave generation yet, so we, we don't know for certain. What I do have a hunch about is I don't think the underground cave biomes are actually going to be showing up on the debug screen as biomes in their own right. Uh, while I think many people have pointed out that 3D biomes are a possibility, it does seem like a little bit of extra logic to add to the game when they've also just added 128 blocks to the y-axis, right? Um, and as we've mentioned previously, axolotls just need to spawn in lush caves on world generation. They don't need to spawn there recurrently, renewably. Um, because you don't really need to farm them for anything and you can breed them once you find them. Dripstone caves don't have any natural fauna. There are no mobs associated with those at present uh, that aren't just present in other caves anyway. And then wardens potentially are only going to spawn below a certain level in the new Grimstone caves. And we don't really know much about the implementation of the Deep Dark yet either. So cave biomes don't need to be their own sort of individual area and keeping the full chunk 100% based on the surface biome is still going to allow for powerful mob farms to be built at bedrock level again so I 
I don't think we're really going to see an implementation where if you walk in to a lush cave with the debug info active, it says lush cave. I think it's still going to be whatever biome the entire vertical chunk is. Um, and either way, I don't know if Mojang really wants us to start relying on the F3 debug info to look for cave biomes. Uh, hence the plan to have azalea trees on the surface indicating there's a lush cave there. I think they're much more interested in signposting that stuff through the world itself rather than relying on third not not third party but like on a um a set of information that's really just meant to be for bug testing stuff and also isn't available in bedrock edition either which again 90 percent of the minecraft player base actually plays and and not the easiest to read yeah you know like uh -huh. i've been playing this game for years i still can't find the biome without searching for like 10 seconds yeah you know, you're, like, so you're just, looking I, around the screen going not that one not that one where am i like <laughs> exactly yeah exactly the the ui on it is not meant to be i think gameplay oriented right like it's meant for the like you said the testing um i i like the concept uh of having certain caves generate more often between uh, under certain biomes um we were speculating uh, several weeks ago about how certain large caves may only generate under mountains because that might be the only place that there's going to be room. Obviously, this was before they increased the world height. Uh, on the flip side, I do like the idea of rather than pigeonholing lush caves to only generate or more frequently generate under, uh, under say, jungles, I prefer the idea of you just don't know what you're going to get. Imagine the awesome contrast of digging down under an ice spikes biome to find a lush cave. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, th I think the random, holy crap, that's cool stuff that's going to be tied to discovery in 117 will just be much more vibrant and fun if it's not tied to some rare find. I don't like digging for thousands of blocks looking for a cool combo that only exists in a specific area, you know. Uh, I much prefer the idea of just like digging and finding a cave and going, oh, wow, cool, lush cave. Or like, wait a minute, I just found this lush cave. And when I dug up to the surface, I realized that I was in a snowy biome. Like, this is really fun. Or vice versa, maybe uh, you like the idea of having a lush cave under a desert or um, maybe a, a dripstone cave under a jungle. Like, there's all kinds of really cool stuff that could build on whatever imagination that you have, you know, set up for your world and your builds and uh, you know, dripstone caves underneath jungle temples and stuff like that would just look really cool and more fun if you found them randomly, I think. Yeah, it, it adds to the more fantastical layer of Minecraft as well. If there is something that seems biologically impossible and yet Minecraft has done it, there's always some of the, the cooler things like floating islands and so forth. It's the, the cooler stuff Minecraft can cook up that's really going to inspire some players. So... Yeah, interesting thoughts there. Thank you so much for the email. Uh, this next email comes in from Dil Al, and the subject is, do you hear that? The, <laughs> the intro to this email is teleportationpotion.mp3. Uh, hello, Johnny, and good day, Joel. As a big Minecraft fan and music lover, it only makes sense that I love Minecraft music, and I do, all forms of it too. My question for you all today is about the Dungeons OST. I know you two have had your experiences with the game, but what about just the music alone? I've played the main game and have recently gotten obsessed with the music, especially the newest music from the Nether DLC. We finally have a song for the Warped Forest. Have you had a chance to listen to these amazing works by Peter Hont? If not, I encourage you to give them a listen. And side note, uh, what if Mojang adds copper pipes? Not for item transportation, but rather for music. Perhaps placing a copper pipe would make a note block sound like a whole note instead of a staccato sound. Just some fun food for thought. I've been the Mishmar magicmirror.mp3 
<laughs> I think that's a, a subtle Terraria reference in the uh, the MP3s there. Thank you for that. Um, when you said copper pipes uh, for music, my brain immediately went to organ pipes as a mm-hmm. thought. And I've tried to make an organ several times using a variety of materials, and I do sort of wonder if people want to use copper for that now, how incredibly steampunk the organ is going to look. But uh, having lightning rods as stops and and probably some of the smaller pipes as well seems like an appealing aesthetic to me. Um, the Minecraft Dungeons OST is all on Spotify, by the way. So if anybody is a Spotify user, you can probably find it elsewhere as well, not just in-game, but I have listened to some of the newer stuff on Spotify. Have you managed to track down any of the Dungeons music outside of the game itself, Joel? I haven't, but I just recently put it on my checklist. You know, like that's something I absolutely need to do because I, um, after, um, I think speaking with you the very first time on the Citadel Cafe, I went to go look up and purchase the additional Minecraft album that I didn't know existed uh, to to have that to listen to because uh, being new to Minecraft at the time and only hearing so many of the tracks during gameplay, I thought, uh, cool, I can now listen to this, you know, outside of it. Uh, I would al- often listen to the Minecraft soundtrack while I was playing the game rather than having the in-game music going. And um, I need to do that with Dungeons because I love orchestral soundtracks. I really enjoy the music from Dungeons. Uh, I've just, I don't know why the thought has never crossed my mind to go seek it out on its own as well. Um, so, so thanks to, to Dill, uh, all for, for doing that. Uh, I, um, I'm curious about the copper stuff because copper pipes for music. Yes. 100% copper pipes for player transport. Also, yes. Why not both? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, uh, I think it would be possibly annoying but very fun at the same time for you know like when you go into a bubble column for transportation you get underwater noises you kind of it doesn't last forever but there's like a sploosh and a whoosh and that kind of thing if you were going through copper pipes and it played a note (laughs) or it made a sound like a tuba i yeah that would be very fun um i also would love to see what the technical and musical community in minecraft would do if they had notes that lasted longer than the staccato stuff that they mentioned in the email. Yeah. I think that would be a wonderful addition. Oh my gosh, can you imagine the combination of note block with a uh, copper pipe on top, which makes the note last longer, and then whatever sound you want with the blocks that exist in the game now uh, underneath the note block. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's underneath the note block, right? Yeah. And you put stone or wood or whatever, and you get different noises. Mm-hmm. So the copper pipe or copper block on top of the note block would then elongate the note. Uh, wow. I can only imagine what people would come up with. Yes. There's <laughs> there's there's a lot of a lot of music relies on stuff like that. And so it's kind of a, it's an interesting challenge to note block composers to work without sustained notes. Um, and I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like a copper pipe would be an interesting way of doing it. Incidentally... Uh, going outside of the note block side of things here, uh, the way organs work, pipe organs in particular, is by driving pressurized air through pipes. They're a keyboard instrument, but effectively they work the same way as a flute does, in that you're just basically blowing into the pipe, in this case more with like an apparatus, in order to produce a sound. And the different lengths and sizes of the pipe result in different sounds, which is why pipe organs have so many pipes. Um but what if you had something like a copper pipe that you then put, say, a campfire underneath and the rising heat of the air was what pressurized the tube and the longer the tube, the note could change. And then you could potentially have an instrument by blocking off and reopening 
uh, you know, copper pipes with campfires underneath, maybe using trap doors or something like that. And suddenly you have this whole new class of Minecraft musical instrument that would be a really interesting addition to the game. But that sounds like a mod to me at this stage. That sounds like something I would want to go away and write as a mod uh, to, to add more musical stuff into the game. Probably very little actual, uh, you know, impact on gameplay but you never know it, it, we've got a goat horn in the game now that you could potentially blow i'm i'm imagining like a full minecraft ensemble by the end of this i expect <laughs> like a one-man band oh pretty just, much yeah walk through your base and have it play something as you step on pressure plates as you go just gonna <laughs> yeah. like you know uh i mean cue the imperial march for when i enter my base <laughs> yeah abso- uh, absolutely that, yeah, that's 100 happening played on a copper pipe organ for sure um to, to to briefly go back to minecraft dungeons i haven't listened to the full flames of the nether ost i'm kind of waiting for encountering that music in game because to a certain extent some of it almost feels like a spoiler uh if you if you find music that sounds like a boss battle then you can assume there is a boss battle in the game uh and some of the the titles and stuff are potentially like there is one track i believe that is just called ghast and so i'm like okay cool we fight a ghast at some point um but on mark watson uh mark underscore irl's recommendation on twitter i have listened to a track called ancient which again i suspect is a track that fades in when you encounter the ancient mobs that are supposed to drop gilded gear in this new update to minecraft dungeons it sounds like you are fighting sephiroth from final fantasy 7 it sounds like final fantasy boss fight music and uh he he sort of teased it on twitter and was like what do you think is going to happen when you encounter this music in the game and i just started searching for gifs of of final fantasy boss fights because it fits so well uh so yeah i i recommend checking out the the dungeons ost some fantastic composition has gone into that and apparently the sound team and the composers have worked together with a few different people in order to work on the nether update which is another reason it seems uh completely different i'm looking forward to it we did get a couple of other emails that were in answer to uh my previous request about people checking in with performance in the snapshots with maybe lower end hardware because i i recognize i'm kind of sitting at the top of the food chain with my my rig and i know joel you've had some performance issues uh we'll save those for the render distance though because we are running a little short on time but i wanted to thank uh lizard yellow and chris n for taking the time to write in about your experiences with the snapshot really appreciate that uh that is going to be it for this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show was composed by me on a copper pipe organ and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you get some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat it also gets us closer to our next milestone goal which is to have a monthly minecraft audio hangout basically like joel and i discussing what we've been doing in minecraft this week but with our entire community of patrons and that's going to be at the 500 dollars mark of support we are inching ever closer to that because we are currently at 240 patrons which is up a bunch from last week thank you all for jumping on board in the meantime and special thanks as always go out to our content engineers fazu battlecaster general pattern 82 greener canuck hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them about The Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen to it. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. 
really wherever you can find a podcast. Email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please be sure to use that email address. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the Patreon-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide and play some other games. I'm also teaching my brother-in-law to play Minecraft occasionally, so check that out. And I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick search on YouTube. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You'll find links to my other podcast there as well, The Citadel Cafe at thecitadelcafe.com. This past week, I talked to my, uh, Ryan Murphy all about Xbox games, and it's been a lot of fun. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media, and of course, Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I am building a Minecraft town in a medieval style and having a lot of fun doing it. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is grim, but also infinite. <laughs>